five, four, three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Agency Podcast. Eugene Napik here in Toronto. Hi, Eugene. This is Candy here, and I'm here to report that the devil really did go to Georgia. I'm in Savannah. Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, I just drove, well, you know, I, I probably eight hours, but maybe closer to eight and a half. So I literally was so worried the last 20 minutes to get here and get the computer turned on and, and talk to you and do our podcast. I was like, ah! So you're basically ride. at an Airbnb. I am. Uh, okay. And uh, well, why don't you uh, tell our listeners what the heck you're doing in Georgia? Yeah, well, I'm in Georgia because... Um, from our previous podcast earlier in March, and I may have mentioned a little bit of it last week, was that um, someone in the McCarthy group, the society where I go and do area panels and re read presentations, heard Dennis on our podcast and emailed Dennis and told him some ideas for a paper he wanted to write. And then it turned around and came out that Dennis agreed to be on a roundtable in Savannah. But he said, I will do it if Candy's on the panel. And so Rick emails me going, will you do that? And I went, hell to the yeah. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited. Um, I, you know, I've emailed Dennis a few times back and forth. And um, so I'm going to pick him up at the airport tomorrow night. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited about that. And um, Savannah is absolutely gorgeous. Is it? Yeah. I, I mean, don't I think I've like, ever been in Georgia. Yeah. Um, I've been, well, I've been to Atlanta a couple of times. And it was really fun driving through, fun in the way that I put on a 92.5 um, Savannah station. And it was great to hear so many music artists that I love from Atlanta playing on the radio, on the Atlanta radio in the city. So that was cool. pretty cool. Like my guy, Two Chains, and uh, just a number of other people. And to hear the lyrics of looking at Atlanta while I'm driving on this highway. It's a drive we did a year and a half ago when we went to see Rick in Florida um, from Nashville to um, well, we went to Jackson that one day, but it's a little hairy coming through the mountains. Um, not mountains like BC, but it's just so many trucks. It was mm. very heavy duty traffic all the way from Nashville to Georgia. And Georgia is like a main thoroughfare of trucks on the highway. Oh, so you went from Chicago to Nashville and then yes. Nashville to yes. Georgia. I see. Yes. yes. I took a break. A girlfriend said, why don't you rest at my place? So I did. Um, I almost was going to go to New York and then down, but I'm going to return through New York on the way back. Of course. Yeah. Why not? Well, that's exciting. Yeah. And the, the conference or the roundtable is tomorrow night? No, it's not. He's arriving tomorrow night. It's not until Friday. But oh, I see. Action packed. Okay. There's action packed, you know, presentations for three days. Cool. But he, so it starts tomorrow morning at 730. And there'll be there's probably about four or five presentations, it panels with three presentations per one, right? Um, all day long, just like any conference, but this is literary and pop culture and Cormac McCarthy. And then um, there'll be maybe people will go for dinner or for lunch. There might be a cocktail party, which I will pass on because I'm going to the airport <laughs> and going to have dinner with uh, Dennis. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And um, I saw the hotel. There, there's a schmancy, fancy 
hotel down the street. I could not afford to stay in it, and that's fine, but it looked really, really pretty. I'm trying to figure out whether or not when we're finished the podcast, if it's safe for me to walk over there. It's about 10 minutes. It looks very, very nice and busy, but I'm not sure if I feel comfortable going out and walking. I really mistake being with me, my security guard, you know. Well, it's difficult in a new city if you don't know what the neighborhoods are like and you're walking alone for sure. Right. I just I just messaged the Airbnb host and they say, hey there, I've never had any issues walking down Liberty that time of night. Price is well lit. That's the street I'm on. And there's even a local police station just a few blocks north of Liberty along that route. Well, it's the police I'm afraid of. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but okay, well, that sounds promising. I mean, it really looks like for one second, I was in shock. My jaw dropped when I turned on to Liberty Street because they've got the huge trees with that moss hanging off of them. And they oh, look stunning. Okay, yeah. It just looks stunning. A little bit like when we went to the bayou uh, in, in New Orleans and, uh, and Baton Rouge a few 10 years ago or whatever. Remember, we did our little tour on in uh, Louisiana in the swamps. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very pretty. The town looks so quaint and pretty. So I think so. Now, I don't know if my host is a man. I don't think a man would even think about being worried about walking down at nighttime. But, you know, I'm a little worried. Maybe I'll leave my purse behind and just, they'll just kill me and not get my wallet. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's better. <laughs> anyway. Um, I mean, it looks pretty nice out. It looks pretty cute. It's sort of like, um, kind of looks like New Orleans in a weird way. Um, with very, you know, classically old buildings. So it looks really pretty and I'm pretty excited. And how about you? Well, you know, I'm pretty excited too, because I have an event I'm going to tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, there's a rare chance to see one of uh, Canada's greatest fiddlers, Kelvin Volrath is playing in Toronto. He rarely tours, but he's doing a little tour. And his accompanist um, is a, a guy named Jeremy Rusu, who can play anything that's not a fiddle better than everybody else. Right. He's, he's right. one of those crazy musical prodigy genius guys. Um, he I've seen him play a lot uh, on YouTube with Patty Kusterock, uh, but he's doing this uh, tour. Um, uh, accompanying um, Kelvin Volrath. And for those who aren't uh, aware of Kelvin Volrath, he's uh, a, a Métis fiddler. Um, he has written well over 700 fiddle tunes. That's 700 <laughs> fiddle tunes. That's a lot, That's a and, lot of, of any kind of tune. Yeah. And he's, he's recorded over 70 albums. Wow. Not counting albums he's just been a sideman on. Wow. So we're, I mean, we're talking about really an awesome musical presence in this country. Um, and it's a chance to see him. And he's playing in a church in the junction. Wow. And I, I managed to get a, a ticket. So I'm going down there on my own to uh, to see Kelvin. Wow. That's pretty um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sheila has a different event uh, tomorrow. Wow. So we're in different places, but that's okay. Meanwhile, very nice. I've been spending a lot of time on the YouTube machine, yes, following probably the craziest scandal in chess oh, history. This is pretty crazy. It is. It is so insane 
Um, I think what I'd like to do is I'd like to sort of give an outline of everything that's happened and a little bit about the protagonists, and then maybe we could talk about the issues. Yeah. Okay. So there's a, on September, beginning of September, just after Labor Day, uh, there's a big tournament in St. Louis at the St. Louis Chess Club. It's one of the most prestigious chess clubs in the United States. Yeah. And the tournament is the Sinkfield Cup. And it's one of the most prestigious tournaments. And all the super grandmasters, all the best players in the world come out to play. So it's a chess geek's wet dream. Right. right? It's, it's pretty exciting. So let's talk about a couple of the protagonists here. Okay. One of them, Magnus Carlsen. Magnus mm-hmm. Carlsen is the champion of the world. He has... <laughs> not been defeated as white in something like two years he's got like a 50 game winning streak going it's or at least not not lose i guess win or draw um anyway it's just insanely good and he's decided this year he's announced that he won't be defending the world championship because what's the point wow since it seems that nobody alive can beat him okay so round uh, September 4th, round three of the Sinkfield Cup, Magnus Carlsen is pitted against, yeah, he's in a 53-game undefeated streak. Right. Um, on This is like an over-the-board chest, but he was defeated by his opponent that day in an online rapid-fire, rapid-play game three weeks earlier. Mm. Um, and his opponent was a guy named Hans Niemann and Hans Niemann is all of 19 years old and he is a trash talker. He is a really <laughs> annoying guy. He sure has his me. defense. Um, he, he just trash talks everybody. Uh, but he's a, he's a rising star. Yeah. Okay. However, yeah. when he was 12 and when he was 16, twice, and he's admitted to this. He was caught cheating online in chess.com tournaments wow. and banned for a period of time from chess.com. So he's going to play Carlson over the board. Um, after 13 moves, Carlson was already behind. Then he got behind on, on time. Uh, by move 21, Carlson was down upon. Um, and Neiman was really doing to Carlson this game what Carlson routinely did to others. Huh. Carlson resigned the game. Wow. Right. As white, he just doesn't lose as white. So they shook hands. Jeez. End of game, right? Yeah. Well, the next day, Carlson tweeted <laughs> his withdrawal from the tournament. And you do not withdraw from a round robin tournament unless there's like a death in the family or something. Mm -hmm. It is just really, really bad form because it messes with the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's Um, all like you've got everyone um, exactly out there. That jagged diagram that they do for such things. That's exactly right. So there's going to be if he withdraws, that means there's going to be someone is going to get like a free pass. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's just, it wrecks the tournament in a way. So he withdrew. 
He tweeted his withdrawal. He said he's always enjoyed playing at the St. Louis Chess Club, and he hopes one day to play there again. And he attached to that a short video clip from a guy named Jose Mourinho, who is a, a, a soccer or football manager, okay. um, in which this guy says, I prefer not to speak. I'll get in big trouble if I speak, and I don't want to get in big trouble. Holy shit. That's all he said. He's withdrawn from the tournament. Well, the chess world went apeshit. Yeah. Right? Because Carlson has implied, really without saying it, he's implied that he's withdrawing from the tournament because Hans Niemann cheated. Yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't say anything, and he doesn't say how he could have cheated, and he doesn't present any proof. Mm. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rumor and speculation, it's a chess shitstorm. It's like the, the YouTube is gone crazy yeah. with everyone's yeah. weighing in that like yeah. talking about um talking about uh, uh the, the tournament, the withdrawal, everything. And mm -hmm. then Elon Musk tweets. Elon Musk gets involved and he tweets and he suggested that Neiman probably cheated by using, are you ready for this? Remote control vibrating anal beads. <laughs> you know, I can't concentrate on my game when I have anal beads. I don't re really. I tell Never you. Never mind vibrating ones. <laughs> so, so that's a pretty far out kind of theory. So now let's um, let's enter Ken Regan, Professor Ken Regan, and he is the world's leading expert on cheating in chess. <laughs> yeah. He is a statistician, a mathematician, a computer um, nerd. Uh, he is the guy who understands how to analyze statistics mm -hmm. and behaviors in chess matches to determine the likelihood of somebody cheating. Okay. Okay. He's analyzing all the games that Neiman has played over the past two years. Meanwhile, chess.com issued a statement. They wrote, the last few days have been tumultuous for many in the chess community. At this time, we have reached out to Hans Neiman to explain our decision to privately remove him from chess.com and our events. So no one has actually said, we believe you have cheated. But these guys, are they're removing him from their events. Um, we have shared detailed evidence with him concerning our decision, including information that contradicts his statements regarding the amount and seriousness of his cheating on chess.com. We have invited Hans to provide an explanation and response with the hope of finding a resolution where Hans can again participate in chess.com. We want nothing more than, than to see the best chess players in the world succeed to the greatest, um, in, in the greatest events. We'll always act to protect the integrity of the game we all love. Mm -hmm. Okay, so meanwhile, Ken Regan analyzes two years of this guy's games and he mm -hmm. comes out and says, I can't see anything that might suggest there's cheating. Oh, wow. So now let's think about if there was cheating, how it had to happen. It's an, it's an over the board game. Yes. They 
have security measures. They they frisk you to make sure you're not carrying a cell phone or anything. Or a gun, yeah. Um, or anything. Anything. Um, and yeah. you know, or you know, I guess they don't check for anal beads though. You know, I don't know how thorough they not are. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't want that job. So to to cheat, that means either someone has to transmit to him moves, uh-huh. or um, it could mean that like he goes to the bathroom and finds the someone has I don't know taped to the inside of the stall what the next move should be according to Stockfish. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's really, really difficult to do this. Um, and Magnus hasn't said a word. So along the way, when Ken Regan came out and and said, I can't find any cheating, public opinion really switched. And people started getting behind this kid who's, you know, Carlson is in a way derailing his chess career, which is just skyrocketing, his right. rating skyrocketing. So on September the 7th, Neiman did a 30-minute interview in which he, he was a passionate interview. He responded to critics. He did an analysis of the game. He said, I'd never cheated over the board. He admitted to twice cheating online. Um, and it's the biggest regret of his, uh, of his chess career. And he has something to prove, prove that he could wow. beat these guys without cheating. Wow. Okay. So then... The next thing would be fast forward to September 19th. The next big tournament that's part of a series of tournaments all these top players are playing. Um, it's called the Generations Cup. And uh, it's an online event. Um, and who should get paired up to play? Hans yeah. Neiman and Magnus Carlsen. Oh, God. So Neiman is white. He advances his queen pawn two spaces. Uh, Carlson uh, advances his uh, king's knight. Um, Neiman advances his queen bishop pawn two spaces. And Carlson resigns and logs off. Hmm. Forfeited the game, hasn't said a word. Mm. hasn't said a word why everybody's going crazy the internet's broken again because of all yeah. the chess uh, yeah. stuff going on um so today um hans neiman played in this tournament uh, a, another top player named uh, uh levon um aronian and he crushed him in 21 moves mm. so the, the governing body says there's no cheating. Carlson clearly refuses to play this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people are saying, is Carlson losing it? Why is he doing this? Because he's not explaining himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not, maybe he feels he has nothing to lose because he's not going to defend his title um, anyway. So Right now, this guy is like stained with this non-accusation of cheating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all of the chess streamers have all jumped on with their opinions and yes. uh, their ideas about this. Um, yeah. But officially, there's been no cheating in the Sinkfield Cup. Uh, Neiman's could still allowed to play. 
Yeah. Uh, Carlson's not saying a word. I'm sure there's going to be lawsuits. Wow. Because if I was Hans Niemann and I wasn't cheating and this guy, the champion yes. of the world, was trying to derail my chess career. A gossip campaign or something. Really, that's yeah. what it's like yeah. because he hasn't actually said, I believe he cheated in this game by doing that. He hasn't presented any evidence at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that uh, was suggested uh, on the YouTube machine was that maybe someone on Carlson's team gave game prep to Neiman. Yeah, and that's how he knows. Yeah, maybe he knows. Maybe maybe Carlson saw something in the game that reminded him of something in his that's prep. A, did you think of that yourself? No, of course not. I don't think of any of this myself. Oh, because it's that's actually a great theory. That's a great um, theory that he did a play that he only talked to with his coaches or his team that no one would know about, and he saw it played out. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, but there's no evidence of anything and no one knows how it's all going to shake down really Um, some people think this is very very bad for chess Mm -hmm. but some other people think well maybe this is going to mean there's going to be uh, more secure measures against cheating and also maybe more people will be interested in watching it because of the scandal well for sure yeah um for sure. So uh, that's where that's where you, we're at what do you now. Feel, what do you think is going on? <sighs> it's hard to say. I think that Carlson believes that Neiman was cheating. Mm-hmm. There's something that happened that caused him to believe this. Yeah. And he, I think he believes that there's nothing he could say to prove it. Yeah. But he's just not going to play with this guy. <sighs> wow. But... Keep in mind that he didn't decide this until the guy cleaned his clock and yeah. beat him for yeah. the first time in 53 games over the board. So yeah, that's, that's not nice. That's unfortunate. It doesn't look good for his character or sportsmanship. Right. And the other thing to keep in mind is that um, Carlson's final goal as a professional chess player is to achieve a 2,900 rating. Mm. which would be it's never been achieved before in the history of chess and if he achieves this he'll be considered clearly the greatest of all time oh he doesn't want to have a losing game in this no he doesn't a losing game affects that rating oh man okay and the other thing someone suggested someone suggested on the youtube and i don't know if this is true Mm. but somebody suggested that chess.com is buying magnus carlson's chess company oh so i don't know if it's true but if he has a business relationship with chess.com and suddenly chess.com jumps in and bans neiman wow have they been talking i don't know who's been talking to carlson yeah clearly not the media that's for sure so how has the game play been for you in general aside from that drama Oh, I've watched a, a number of the games yeah. um, from uh, both the Sigfield Cup tournament and uh, and this tournament that's happening right now, the Generations Cup. Yeah. And there's some fabulous chess. Wow. Really that's great chess. Cool. That's pretty cool. So uh, I we don't know how it's going to... Um, how it's going to roll out, what's going to happen. Um, is Carlson just going to quit? Maybe that's what will happen. Maybe he'll just yeah. quit and decide he's not going to play anymore. 
wow. and take his ball and bat and go home, which I think he could certainly do unless yeah. he's bound by contracts. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how that works in the, the chess world. Right. Um, I believe some of these tournaments are, are not open tournaments. They're invitationals. Mm. Um, and the chess world has got this guy on their hands, Hans Niemann, an admitted cheater, who <laughs> says he's not cheating now. Yeah, yeah, I cheated then, but I'm not cheating now. He's and very he's young, too. 19. And he's, yeah. he's playing great chess. Yeah. Now, he's cool. not winning all of his games, but he's winning some key ones. Mm-hmm. So some of the uh, chess pundits have suggested that at the grandmaster or super grandmaster level, cheating may just mean you know what the, the chess engine says is the best move maybe just two times or three times in a game. Mm. Like that's how, um, that's how much a little bit of information could swing a game. Wow. Crazy. So I'm glued to the YouTube watching yeah. for what's going to happen next with these characters. Yeah. I mean, well, it's like, a, it's like a, a soap opera. Do you remember way back early in our podcast, I was really following the Mike Postles scandal where in poker where veronica brill had claimed he was cheating and to the point where that there was a hat involved and a cell phone and sending messages and um i'm really not sure how that played out um i've got a wired article here but it's not dissimilar from the mood and the scandal and then you know i mean i think they had to shut down the whole tournament with the poker game it was in september 21st 2019 so that's how close it was to when we started our podcast um mike postle was on another tear the moon-faced 42 year old was a deep into a marathon poker session at stone's gambling hall a boxy glass and steel cas- casino wedged between interstate 80 and a popeyes in suburban sacramento the september 21st 2019 game which Stones was broadcasting to audiences via YouTube and Twitch, had attracted several top players to the casino's card room, a gaudily lit space dome done up like an old West saloon. One pro from Las Vegas had flown in on a chartered jet with $50,000 in cash. Yet as usual, when he appeared on Stones live stream, Postle was shredding the competition. He was the evening's chips leader by a comfortable margin. Five hours into the show, a curious hand took shape. Like all games on Texas Hold'em, the most widely televised poker form of poker, the action began with each player receiving two face-down cards, the whole cards. Five community cards were then to be dealt face-up in three rounds, with opportunities for betting in between. The first face-up batch, called the flop, would consist of three cards. After that, the dealer would add a single card, the turn, followed by one more, the river. Players would vie for the pot by assembling the best five card hands using their five, their whole cards and the shared array. Even before the flop, though, seven of the nine players chose to fold. Postle, who had been dealt the Queen of Diamonds and Jack of Hearts, pressed forward with the hand. His sole opponent would be Merle Courtline, a Las Vegas-based pro with a large social media following. The flop contained the Eight of Spades, Nine of Diamonds, and Jack of Diamonds, a promising trio for Postle, who now had a pair of jacks and was just a 10 away from a queen high straight, 8-9-10 jack-queen. There were two shared cards left to be dealt. The turn produced a relatively useless four of spades, after which 
Cordero placed a $600 bet. So at some point during this game or after it, Brill did not, two people were communicating and he, one guy, Kelly, was really a card player, Justin Kelly, was really into this game. And Veronica Brill did not share it and she called it in. Um, I still don't know what happened to that or if he had a payout. I, I think he's, I think the guy's gone bankrupt now. So I think he did have to pay a fine. He's filed for bankruptcy, that poker player. Wow. Oh, so yeah. maybe he did cheat? Yeah, I'm going to have to find that out, aren't I? I don't really know because it's the first time I really found a really decent article when I Googled <laughs> for quite a long time. And I forgot about it. Remember, I was starting to do cards and study poker. I was going to start to play poker and I was doing my homework and everything. And then obviously, um, by the time I'd done a couple of months of studying poker, the pandemic happened. So my poker career never began. And you, uh, you shifted to sewing. I shifted into sewing, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, in bridge, duplicate bridge, yes, um, they uh, you can't even see your opponent, and your your partner anymore. There has been so much, so many cheating really? scandals. Oh, oh yeah, it's huge scandals in uh, in bridge. Um, well, you know, and then of course there is there is bicycle racing. You know, for how many years right. did one Lance Armstrong say, "Nope, right. not me. I don't cheat. I oh, know. I wouldn't cheat. I'd never cheat. I'm just better than everybody else." Yeah. Turns out, Kel Surprise, he was cheating. Yeah, very. I mean, and very. bicycle racing. It seems to me that like the the racer with the best pharmacist has the real edge. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know that's. No, funny. I mean, uh, maybe it's just that's what humans do. Maybe humans just cheat. Is well, are there any games or sports that aren't marred by cheating? No, I don't think there are. I think that there's always somebody in there. And you know what? I, it's a mixed feelings. I hate, I hate cheating in a game. However, we don't hate cheaters across the board. Um, in mythology, there are some characters and personas who are revered because of their like crazy like a fox. So like Hermes the thief um, is revered because he's tricky and sneaky. But it isn't good to be a thief and it isn't good to be um, a cheater. But some of those skills, look at that movie, um, Catch Me If You Can. Mm -hmm. So he was wrong. He got caught by the FBI, but then the FBI hired him. So well, I mean, of course. yeah, uh, crazy. You know, I watched, speaking of the bicycle um, um, scandal, as I watched Incredible Dateline last week, it was about Mor Mariah Wilson who was an upcoming rising cycling star. Um, she was about 24 years old and she um, was in Austin, Texas and she was murdered violently in her apartment. And um, it turns out that she kind of had a hookup with a guy and his girlfriend killed her, allegedly. I don't, I don't know if she's been charged mm. yet, but what a sad story because First of all, they were all pretty young, somewhere between 25 and 35, and living great lifestyles. And the guy that she was seeing, I've forgotten his name right now, Carlton or Curtis, he was one of those Renaissance men who was sewing and bicycling and, and he was rehabbing uh, trailers. But he was in a, what looked like a fairly serious relationship. And uh, he, you know, he was being an F-boy. 
And I can't imagine how he must feel that the woman he was seeing killed this beautiful young woman, 24 years old, um, who really didn't really understand the whole love triangle she was entering in. They, it seems that he really wasn't forthcoming about it. And he right. seems like a, a super nice guy, but just a little bit selfish. You know what just I mean? Like Just a little bit. And how would you ever be thinking that your life would turn out like that? Wow. Yeah, I don't know. So really good dateline this week, <laughs> but sad, sad story. Yeah, weird about the sports thing. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? You might enjoy that sports program I told you about ages ago. I think it's on Netflix, and it's like four sports scandals. And it's oh, okay. really, really good. It's very good. It's excellent. So yeah, well, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of cheating in sports. And what in was interesting finance. about the chess scandal is that as it was happening, it burst all over the YouTube and yeah. uh, you could watch commentary that's really timely. Yeah. You know, like right, I mean, right up to today where, where there's commentary on, uh, on that game where, where Neiman um, trashed Aronian in 21 moves. It had to be uh, very compelling. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, fabulously powerful game. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know, is this guy, is this 19 year old kid, um, the real thing who made some bad choices when he was younger and now is trying to prove himself or is he still, um, is he just still a cheater? And maybe that's what Carlson is saying. Maybe he has some information that he can't talk about. Uh, who knows? Yeah, it's weird. Um, it, it, it would be very sad to find out. I mean, certainly I think he should be forgiven being a teenager and cheating. I think some kind of, you know, I think if I think if he was using remote control, vibrating anal beads, to cheat, <laughs> um, I think he should be given some kind of award. <laughs> yeah, um, I doubt he is. But then I'm, I don't want to say because it certainly would be one way to do it. You know, um, I guess I, I guess female players could take something in, in their vagina, too, you know. Uh, so I suppose that is a viable if you were in prison, you would sneak things in. That would be your mailbox, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm uh, I'm watching the YouTube compelling. for developments. Great, great. Sounds like a very exciting time. And I, I'm gonna have to guess it's brought more people to chess. I'm sure because yeah. I mean it 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 hit some of the news outlets as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I think when Elon Musk's tweets got out there, I, some some news outlets just couldn't resist reporting on it. Yeah, I might not have reported on that, but uh, yeah, it's, but it's pretty funny. It is pretty funny. I mean, I guess he's probably watching it, trying to figure out what could this be too. Maybe he's friends with the guy that is pulled pulled back too. Maybe he knows. It's him. hard to say, really. Yeah, yeah. It wow, it's very hard to say. Very crazy. Whew. Well, I watched a few shows, not too many. Here and there, um, I saw I some watched... making the cut with uh, with Sheila. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, I could like read a book and watch making the cut because because right. really, I, I I don't need to pay that much attention to it. But I kind of I kind of enjoy it, just sort of in the distance. In the background. Well, you yeah, in watch the background, the you know, show. you have to watch the runway show. Uh, That's I, what it's all I, about. I kind of like uh, watching the fashions and watching these people come up with them. It's sort of enjoyable. It is. Um, dude with the three piece suits. I mean. Heck, if I was into three-piece suits, I'd want to dress like him. Right, right. I um, I think 
that, uh, do you mean Tim Dunn? Oh, I don't, don't ask me names. <laughs> the older, the older guy with the, with the three full suits. With yeah. The, just yes. the yes. all the time. He is impeccable. Um, and I'm happy because I believe the right person won. Oh yeah. Okay. I didn't like the first season. I wanted, um, Esther to win. And it turns out that, um, Apparently, Esther's so insanely popular from that season, and she's doing just fine anyway because people loved her so much. But the person who won Making the Cut, I was so into, and I, I was really hoping they would win. They were quite amazing. Oh, I thought you might have liked the Brazilian guy. Oh, I loved him, too. He was lovely, and he got a job. Oh, so you watched the, the finale then? Uh, yeah, I've watched several of the with Sheila, uh, but you know, I only sort of half watched them. Yeah. Oh, so the I Brazilian can't really... guy was amazing. I loved him. Raphael, I think Raphael. Yeah. And he got a contract and a mentorship. So, you know, there was two winners this year. Now that's pretty exciting. The other guy though, I mean, he was just brilliant. He had a label that would turn into a bag for shipping and then you could use it. I mean, it was just so, um, inventive and he was really into recycled everything and zero landfill uh zero waste so he was pretty cool beautiful clothes beautiful beautiful that's a cool oh i watched i think i sort of hinted to you i watched a movie on prime called 13 lives and it is about it's done by ron howard and it's done about the story of the 13 people, 12 of them young soccer players in Thailand, they got trapped in a cave, they got flooded. And um, basically I had to watch it in two times. In fact, I was so into it, I didn't even realize one of the actors, I didn't recognize the two actors. And one of them was Colin Farrell, who I really love and am obsessed with. Halfway into the movie, I was like, oh my God, that's Colin Farrell because he's such a chameleon. He takes on a different role so well. He just changes everything. Um, so it shows, it starts out with the story of the kids playing soccer. And then they say, oh, let's go play in the caves before supper. And their coach goes, yeah, they go in the caves. And then their parents, it goes back to their parents waiting for them to come home for supper. And then they all run around the neighborhood looking for the kids. And they go back to the soccer mat, the soccer field. And now it's 10 o'clock at night. And I guess they kind of figure out they go to the caves and they go to the caves and it's pouring rain out and it's dark and it's 10 or 11 at night and all their bikes are lined up outside the cave and your heart just sinks for these parents. And um, it proceeds to be such a nail biter movie that I had to stop after an hour and I try bet. to go to bed. 10.30 at night, I stopped watching it, went to bed and couldn't fall asleep till one. So I might as well have watched it. I was so fucked over by this. The stress yeah. of these caves. Do you know what? That cave was, it took them seven hours or something for the divers to get to them. So every time they saved these kids, they had to go seven hours and then, and, and I mean, it took them three weeks to find them. It took them 19 days or something to find them in the first place in these caves. Wow. And then when they finally found them, the kids can't scuba dive. Do you know how they got them out of there? No. The kid, they can't teach the kids to scuba dive. There's areas where the only way out is underwater. Okay. They put them to sleep. Put them to sleep. Yeah, with NS, the uh, they got they bring in this guy, another. So it's Navy SEALs. 
it's a British special forces, these two guys, Vigo Morganson, and he calls in Dr. Harry. Dr. Harry comes and he goes, wow, how can I help? He said, well, I thought you'd know I brought you here for your special services. He goes, what the hell? He said, how else are we going to get them out of there? We can't teach them to swim. And if they go in the mask and they panic, they're going to drown or will drown. So he said, no way I can do that. You're asking me to kill 12 kids. And he said, well, I don't know what else to do. And he goes, well, it's never been done before. And he goes, I know, but we, how else can we do it? So all this stuff happens where they argue and they, I don't know if they talk. So the they want, they want this guy to anesthetize the kids. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, they do. And he, and he thinks it. it's too dangerous. Yes. And then it turns out there's really nothing else to do because they're going to die anyway. So I guess the governor and the minister of Thailand give permission to anesthetize them. And so then they show him, they, so this doctor also has to be able to be a scuba diver to go into the end of the cave and administer to the kids. Um, and meanwhile, the first time they go and find the kids, finally, they don't have any food or blankets for them or flashlights. They give them their own flashlights. And over the next period of days, they start bringing them snacks and food and space blankets. I mean, it's unbelievable the ordeal wow. that they go through. And then the, the filming of these kids being um, put to sleep with masks that have to fit over their face. And they hide the kids from the other kids watching. They say, we can only take you take four today. We'll be back for another four tomorrow. There's 12 of them. They can't take them all at once right. because it takes so many hours to transfer them. And they sort of set up a um, relay system of certain divers that will take one of the kids and bring them all the way to a, a base camp that goes to another base camp eventually. And on that way, um, the, the, the Dr. Harry, who is going to help put these kids um, in anesthetize, he has to show them how to use the needles because they have to give them ketamine along the way every 15 minutes ketamine. or every half hour. Yeah. To keep them under. So they're the, first of all, they're put into big sleep and then they have to carry these needles and, and give it to the kids in their thighs so that they don't stir. And when they, when they get the kids into the mass and give them the, the medicine to go to sleep, they hide them from the other kids because they don't want the kids to be afraid to find out that they're not going to be swimming back. So they, they also have to tie up their hands and feet. And I mean, I was just crying my eyes out. So they have to tie up their hands and feet so that they don't flail or bang the rocks and that they're tiny packages. And in fact, the SEALs call them, the Navy SEALs call them, they're your packages. And the divers do want to have their name and they take pure responsibility for each kid that they, um, ferry to the next you know to get out of this cave it's it's incredible wow. and it's funny too because he did apollo 13 and this is 13 lives and i couldn't help but think this is like apollo 13 but underwater <laughs> you know because it was all these and so they had to train on on water bottles they had to stab water bottles to learn how to to put needles into the thigh and at one point the kids feet are scratching on the rocks and so these guys figure out to tie water bottles into their feet so that their feet float a little bit. I mean, it's just really, I mean, amazing problem solving, you know? And they got all the kids out? They did. And the wow, coach. yay. And the coach. I could only watch it because I knew it was a happy ending. I wouldn't have watched it if I if I didn't think it was happy. Yeah, but seriously. Too, yeah, it was so stressful, but it was really, really good. And I mean, tears were had. Tears were shed. Um, and two, two divers died. 
Oh, yeah? It's really, really sad, yeah. One from blood infection from hitting the rocks and scraping the rocks. Wow. Yeah, creepy. Um, yeah, Vigo Morganson was incredible, and so was Colin Farrell. I mean, they, they all were really good. And I watched Lizzo's TV show. I watched the Emmys last week, and Lizzo won awards for her TV show. And I was like, I didn't even know she had a TV show. So I did watch it. She is mentoring. Um, it's a competition, but she's also mentoring a 10 women who are large girls. They're called big girls. And um, to be dancers on a did show. They spell, did they spell girls with a Z? No. Okay. I don't think it was a Z, but girls. I'm happier then. Several, several R's. Yeah, but it's hip hop. I mean, that's it's like Prince. It's very inventive. Um, so what's interesting is, um, so anyway, it's a really cute show. Um, the girls all want to be dancers, and she's going to have them as many as possible of these ten, if they get through the um, the competition or the the skills and mentoring and auditions to dance with her on Bonnaroo. So it's pretty cool and it's very funny and it's great to see young people and what music they're listening to and dancing to and what clothes they're wearing and, and their hopes and dreams. <laughs> wow. Very good. Very good. So I do recommend Lizzo's uh, competition show. Right on. I think it's on prime Amazon prime. Oh, we watched a whole season of a show the other day. Yeah. We just started watching it and we loved the first season and we powered through the second season, oh. um, which is only, I think it's five or six episodes. Mm -hmm. And that is season two of, uh, of uh, Delhi, Delhi crime on oh, uh, yeah. Netflix. Yeah. Uh, the first season did you it was see so the first good. season? It I was fantastic, it was right? Fantastic. I mean, I it was it. fantastic for so many reasons. Oh, yeah. I mean, in part, like that um, that film, um, that, that show about the um, uh, Tokyo okay. Vice. Tokyo Vice. Like yeah. Tokyo Vice. It yeah. has the exotic uh, city we don't know, culture right. we don't know. We yes. have to learn about all of that, which is a real draw for me. I think it's pretty exciting. Sure. Um, plus, it's, it's a police procedural but it's about corruption um uh minorities caste system uh class and gender politics yeah. it's got all those things going on underlying the story yeah and i have to compare deputy uh the deputy commissioner character to the character of jane tennyson in prime suspect oh it's i mean really she's um, not respected because she's a woman yep. um, she's really competent but she's expected to do things that uh, make it look like things are better than they really are right right um, and and delhi is is presented as a a, a mega city um, crowded it's near chaos traffic always traffic uh, big divisions in wealth um, and this team of cops are trying to cope with the nastiest of crimes. And in this particular season of the show, um, there's a series of robberies in which the people who are being robbed are murdered with hammers. Oh God. And, and they're trying to implicate a, um, an ethnic tribe a, an ethnic tribal gang as uh -huh. being responsible for this. Uh -huh. So the actual 
badniks are um, are making it look like it's the work of this ethnic tribe. Mm. Um, but in fact, it's not, it's them. It's like just these greedy people who want um, money, money, money. Um, the acting is great. The suspense, fantastic. Uh, it's intense. Um, it's got uh, red herrings going on. Um, there's the, there's always the enemy, as much as the enemy is the criminals, it's also the bureaucracy. Yeah. Um, and it's it's amazing the way they show the way their their police force operates. It's amazing they catch anybody. You right. know, for instance, they catch somebody, they don't handcuff them. They just kind of oh, hold on to them. And sure. so the bad guys keep getting away. <laughs> right. Oh god, that's really funny. Uh but I uh I highly recommend this. Um Oh, it also gets into some backstories and family backstories. Um, and the protagonist has a daughter in Toronto. Oh, and wow. Of course yeah. And well, that's a huge community of um, people I, from India. I think the guy responsible for this may be somebody from Brampton. Oh, yeah. interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't have many details on that, yeah, but she yeah. mentioned that to me. Yeah. Oh. Um, so that may be the Toronto uh, connection. connection uh, for those uh, not from around here, Brampton is a suburb of, uh, of Correct. Toronto. Correct. So I'm I'm going to recommend that if you have Netflix, is to check it out. It's not a long season. It's as good as the first season, I'd say. It's it's really fantastic, and we just couldn't stop watching it until mm -hmm. the season was done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. So how long did it take you to watch it? Two nights? Oh, one night. <laughs> uh, it oh, seems yeah. that each episode seems to be about 45 minutes. Right. And there's, I guess, five of them or six of them. We just powered right through it. And yeah. it was really time to go to bed. Uh, and we just watched one more to get it done. Mm -hmm. And zombie, be a zombie the next day. Well, well, yeah. the the zombie factor, the zombie factor was uh, uh, the 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 queen's uh, the queen's funeral. Uh, oh, Sheila got up at five in the morning to watch his funeral, and oh. I woke up and uh, and I couldn't get back to sleep again. Yeah. So, so you watched the funeral too? No, no. The last thing I need to watch is the queen's funeral. Yeah, me too. I, I didn't watch any of that. First of all, I guess I canceled all our news channels on our cable. <laughs> I don't have any news channels except the local Chicago news when it's on. So I couldn't watch anything anyway when it first broke. I was driving around in the car listening to the BBC to hear what was going on. And, um, and I just don't care. <laughs> well, I guess I, I'm there too. You know, I yeah. just don't, can't get very I, excited. And the, it's uh and, and it's oh boy, a no account like uh like Charles is gonna be on our money. Totally. And I really only got interested in the Queen, honestly, from the crown. Uh, then I kind of had some kind of like, okay, I I I like I like looking at the palace, I like looking at their lifestyle. I'm into all that Downton Abbey stuff. I can tell you that. one thing for sure, they got more money than we do. They do have more money. They are not the richest people in the world, but they definitely have a lot more money than us. I think they have more than enough. They have way more than enough. Now, speaking of a lot of money, and right back to your um, 
musician that you're going to see tomorrow night, uh, um, the number 600 stands out of 600 songs. Um, Future, this is a big story. And I was listening to it on the 92.5 Atlanta. <laughs> Future, um, incredible uh, musician, pioneer of trap music. Right. And um, he has just sold his collection from 2004 till 2020 uh, for something like nine billion dollars i mean it's nine figures anyways wow yeah yeah it's it's unbelievable uh, i don't know why he sold it but what's interesting is it's like that reverse of the the record companies owning it and trying to get it back he still had his rights and then was able to sell them um and that, that's 600 songs we're, we're seeing 600 songs Wow. Just like your um, fiddle player tomorrow. Well, he did 700 tunes. 700. This guy's, <laughs> this, how old is he? This guy's only 35 or 40. Oh, uh, Kelvin Volrath is um, about my age. Yeah. So he's, this guy's still got another, you know, incredible amount of time to keep making more music. So he's been busy. He's been busy. Yeah. yeah. He's a prolific, profound pioneer of trap. Well, it seems that um, a number of successful musicians these days are selling the rights to their, their right. music Bob um, Dylan, right now and cashing Stephen out Bowie, yeah. stevie nicks you're right yeah they are yeah bruce springsteen sold his yeah well is I it guess... just too much of a machine to keep opening to keep owning yourself now or something like you his kids don't want it i don't want the family business bruce um well <laughs> maybe maybe they could use i don't know a, a few new houses or something <laughs> Right, but I guess it might cost money to keep it too. I mean, who runs that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't, I don't know. know. It's all out of my snack bracket. Yes, yes. Mine too. Speaking of snack bracket, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> I really meant to eat before I got off the highway, but I was so worried about coming here. Oh, so basically you were just driving, 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 found me, checked in. Yeah, um, turned and, on the computer and yes, and we're recording. Yes, and that's where oh, we okay. are now. Um, I did eat something around one, but that was several hours. Oh my, ago. you need to get some. some I know. I will. Food I will. in your gullet. I'll be. I'll be okay. I'll find a bag of chips or something if I have to. I'll, I'll go suss out the neighborhood and see if I can walk or not. Right on. Worst case scenario is I bet you. I bet you there's some place that that will deliver pizza. That is true. That is true. Um, so what else is happening around there? <sighs> Well, not a whole lot. I've started into uh, another round of uh, nature walks with um, uh, my naturalist friend, Miles Hearn. Oh, fantastic. Um, I'm doing the, the fall walks. And fantastic. we went um, on Monday to uh, the Guild Inn property. Oh, I remember the Guild Inn. I was there last summer. Were you really? Yeah. I haven't been to the Guild Inn since that big sculpture show yes, when we were yes. at university. Mm -hmm. So what was that? Something like 81 or 82 or A long time or ago. A long time ago. Yeah, it was back when, when dinosaurs were roaming the, That's the planet, right? right? right. And um, there was a huge sculpture exhibition that featured some local artists yeah. as well as some artists. I remember Carl Andre had a piece. Um, mm -hmm. There were a number of very, very well-known um, yep. sculptors had work there around the Gildan grounds. And the Gildan, the Gildan to 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 set the, the tone is um it's out in a, a it's on a on bluffs in a in a suburban neighborhood that used to be not suburban. It was a little bit rural 
and a little bit wildlife at the time. In the 20s and 30s, somebody thought, let's have an artist colony where people could have studios, hang out yes. and live here. And, yes, first it and, was a residence. It was a yeah. residence. And then it, for a brief time, it was a seminary. And then it became like an artist cooperative. Right. So maybe in the 40s and 50s or something. Then it became a hotel. With that parkland, it's a beautiful piece of property, and it became a hotel, which my dad, when he was very young and in the military, was traveling, I think, before he met my mom. He would have been about 18 or something, and he stayed there, and it stuck with him. He really liked this place. So when I had told him that we'd been to a sculpture show at the Guild Inn when he came to visit me, when I was at York University, he freaked out and we had to go and I had to show it to him. And then he proceeded every time for a long time when he came to town, he would stay there. And they used to have a great restaurant too. It was a um, fantastic hotel, maybe Delta or I don't know who took it over. Um, well, it, but it's, it's now it's now reinvented itself with the help of the city of Toronto um, and some event organizing people they've uh they've turned it into like a wedding space absolutely so, that so totally people have their sense. weddings and special events there that totally makes sense and back in the day i think they did have their weddings and you could stay at the hotel is the hotel functioning at all well it looks like it and, and i don't oh, know good. how that's working um you know i just i parked in the parking lot and, <laughs> and off we went on a nature walk so right. i that's really all i know um, about uh, what's happening with it now, except that they do weddings and special events. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they have woods all around it. And yeah. it's really quite lovely. Uh, it is. A, a really nice walk there. Uh, I think uh, Miles identified eight or nine different uh, species of asters. Uh, I'm telling you, I have no idea how many species of asters are. <laughs> and some of them, to tell one from another. I mean, yeah. you've got to really be into your asters. Oh, my God. To be able to, yeah. you know, to do your idea. Well, on good it. for him. And good for you learning all that. And uh, the highlight of, the, of that nature walk, I think, was somebody saw something orange in the long grasses um, on a stump and said, what's that? And oh. I looked over and it was a beautiful, but maybe slightly past its expiry, Chicken of the Woods. Uh, chicken oh, of the Woods. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know, the mushroom. Yes, it's a oh, yes. bright orange shelf mushroom uh, right. that's very delicious. And it's always a treat to find one. Yummy. Did you take it? Um, no, I, I thought that this one, judging from the color of the orange, it I thought it was a little bit past. Okay. Um, it was a little bit too old to, to pick. Right. Uh, it would have been woody and not not so woody or pulpy and not so good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, oh. But just to see it was a real treat. Yeah, it's getting close to the season, right? Or is it past the season? Have you been mushrooming? I've hardly been uh, okay. mushroom foraging for, for mushrooms at all. all right. And, you know, I keep telling myself, self, you should go up there you know, right. right after the next rain, a couple of days after the next rain, but right. we haven't had any really huge rains. Um, but maybe uh, one day soon, I'll, I'll pop up and uh, see if I can find me some lobster mushrooms or something like that. Sounds good. Um, I know a, uh, a spot where I was regularly finding hedgehog mushrooms, which mm -hmm. are among my favorite. And it's just this time of year, um, end of August into September, 
and right through September that you find them. Um, but they've been doing some logging in there and mm. uh, it hasn't been the same really since mm. uh, for mushrooms. So I don't know oh, if that's sad. Super yeah. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it was a spot where for years I went there, a spot my brother showed me. Yeah. And for years I never saw another soul. And now I see people with their dogs all the time. Damn. So people come in. I haven't seen anyone looking for mushrooms there, but there's people come in and make use of uh of the forest, which is a public forest. Good for them yeah. for finding yeah. it and using it. Yeah. Pretty cool. Well, shall I talk to you soon? I'd like to thank everybody for listening. We're very glad you're out there. And I hope I have a lot of information from. Um, we want to hear all about it next week. I'm looking forward to every, every dirty detail. I'm really detail. looking forward to it. And I hope to see some shows in New York City. To hey, did you check on. our email? I, you know, I, I can't get on our email. Oh, again. well, if you can give me a second and stay sure. busy. Don't let the dead air happen. Well. <laughs> find something to entertain us besides my typing noises in the background let's see well oh i see i have to i have to keep talking while you while you, you do work. have to find something oh else God. to talk about i don't know if i can look for it that fast that's why well my we can we could always uh check read email it next, next week. week we can read it next week that's yeah. right i think my um, computers we're lucky that it's working at all right now considering how full my memory is and that i threw it together at the last second running off the highway to talk to you. Well, I think that's pretty fantastic that you did. Um, but just because we haven't read our emails doesn't mean we don't want you to send that's more. Right. <laughs> that's right. Please send us email that we can read next week. <laughs> to the agency.podcast at gmail.com. Okay, we suck. All right, I'll talk to you soon, Eugene. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>